podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for a match preview for Villa's trip to Newcastle on Saturday at three o'clock. This show is sponsored by Betmate and we'll come on to them later on in the show. I'm Dan Bardell, your host, bunged up and joined by my good friend Omar to talk through Aston Villa's game on Saturday. And Omar, it's fair to say we're a lot more buoyant than we were before we lasted a match preview, aren't we? If you ever appear on the screen, you may come on the screen at some point. I'm not. I'm not currently. Sure. I am here. I am right here. here. Yes, Omar's I am here. here. I'm hiding behind the uh, the match preview thumbnail. There uh, he oh, is. Oh, there I am. Oh, there oh, absolutely massive. massive. What's going on? <laughs> I will you say see that my uh, fine panelling work, by the way. Oh, absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. My handiwork, that is. Yeah. Myself and Neil obviously produced the last show. I think we've left it in a terrible state. There he is. He's, he's back is. the back. right size now. People wouldn't like it if one we're on time, two if everything worked. People don't want don't come here to see that kind of stuff, Omar. No, they don't. They don't. No, they really do. They do. They do. Let's be honest. They do. But they come here to listen to us talk about the game. So so let's do it. As I say, last time we did a match preview was pre-Brentford and me and you were absolutely on the floor. Mm. And now um, I feel like I'm a little bit too buoyant going into this game because this is going to be a really tough game. But I'm now in the position where I actually fancy us to get something. I almost want to go back to being miserable. Yeah, yeah. I had this thought actually uh, when we said we're going to do the pod today. I said I'd join you. I... uh, I was like really positive, really happy. I'd done our pod a couple of days ago. And you get this sense of, it's a bit weird. You just think, wait a minute, I'm too happy. This can't be right. It's almost like something's about to, you know, a bit like Dale Boy when, he, when they win the, I don't know if you watched Only Fools and Horses, but when they, uh, oh, I'm aware of the show. Yeah. When they, when they sell, when they sell the painting, he goes, Rodney, it's all going to get a pear shape. Like it's, yeah. almost a bit, it's a bit like that where you think actually it's something on the horizon where it's, you feel like, oh, are we going to lose 6-0 to Newcastle? Remember? That, then, that is such a bad omen because we did we uh, that game on the weekend reminded me of that West Ham game under Kevin McDonald where we played really well in the first half. I think we were winning three 0 at half time or two 0 at half time in that game. It was a really good performance. We looked free flowing, like the shackles had come off after Martin yeah. O'Neill left and like introducing young players. Everything was brilliant, and then we got absolutely thumped by Newcastle away. So that yeah. is actually a terrible but, but omen. It is, it? it is, but it, uh, yeah, let's let's be positive. It's a different team. It's a different, um, completely different situation than, you know, we'd uh, lost Martin O'Neill, uh, someone who'd basically ran the club for years. You know, he did everything. Um, I'm sure he was even washing the kits at, at one point. You know, he, he was the main man um, when, he, when he left. Now we're in a different situation where we have a good squad. We just didn't have the right manager. Um, Aaron Danks obviously straight away is realised and... Um, implemented a formation that suits our players and, and we've seen um, the, the sort of fruits of that labour against Brentford. So I think we should be buoyant. I think we should be really positive going into this match and uh, the players should be as well. I think the players will be positive. They'll be happy. Uh, they'll be looking forward to uh, performing well for the fans, but also obviously for the new manager that's coming in. He'll yeah, be watching, watch I'm sure. Yeah. He'll be studying. Um, and, you know, they have to impress. It's a new manager bounce almost without the manager being there. You know, they they want to impress. They want to do well. They want to claim a, a stake in the team. 
a place in the team, sorry. And um, and th- these are the games they're going to have to do well in. And, you know, we don't have an amazing, amazing record against Newcastle. And we'll come on to Newcastle and talk a bit about them and how well they've been playing. But I, th- I think we should be buoyant. I think we should be positive. Uh, I think this team's got enough ability to, to win that game uh, on the weekend. Yeah, it looked like they had a rocket shoved up them on, on Sunday. Just, it just gave them a lift off the, the players have needed. I mean, the people in the comments are, are buoyant. Like us, Gig Sharma says, actually looking forward to the game on Saturday for a change. That winning performance against Brentford has me buzzing again. Rachel Insull-Lewis, it is peak Villa for us to lose very badly at the weekend. We've already discussed the dangers of being too excited. And Taiwan Hamilton is excited, saying after Sunday's game, we can beat anyone. I do actually think we can win. On Sunday, I've done a couple of shows that I've done the I've done the Athletics Premier League preview and I've done Who Scored's Premier League preview, and in both shows I predicted a one-one draw. I do fancy us to go there and get something. Newcastle have got a couple of injuries, but they're coming off the back of what Eddie Howe said was their best performance of, of his reign, going to Spurs and winning. And to be fair, that that did feel like a bit of a statement win for them. It did, yeah, it did, it did, and um, you know they are. Champions League places, I think maybe beyond them, but they're certainly trying and they're trying hard and they seem to be the best of the rest at the moment. Um, well, fourth best at the moment. But um, I think Eddie Howe's impact on that team is, is surprised me. I'm sure it surprised you as well. Mm. Uh, they were in all sorts of trouble when he came in. Steve Bruce was playing a completely different style. Um, very no defensive. Style. No style. Um, very defensive. Very negative. Almost defeatist in its way, the way he played. And Eddie Howe's very quickly, you know, um, yeah, only their struggle at the beginning. And, and even then you're thinking, oh, is, was this the right appointment? But he's managed to turn it around. He's managed to instill uh, an attitude and intensity uh, in their in their team, um, which I think has, has, um, has helped and, and has really been the platform for them to do well. Obviously, they've, you know, they've spent money. They're not, they're not like they haven't not spent silly money. Though, have not they? silly we, money, though. We no. all expected them to go absolutely but, wild. But, in the but, you know, they've been you, measured and made good signings. But you know what, Dan? I think it's... Um, clickbait media you know they uh newcastle get taken over by, by the saudis and you know this all, all this like dream 11 Kylian mbappe talk and all that kind of stuff it was never going to be that ffp or financial flow pay or whatever whatever the you know whatever the name is now sustainability and uh of, of uh, owners and owners wealth and how that how that all works means that they can't go and spend 500 million in a year so it was always going to have to be measured but i like the way they've gone about their business they've not just been spending money for money's sake, they've been measured in the way they've spent money. So they've identified key areas and they've bought good players. So Dan Byrne is, you know, one one example where an underrated player, a key part of the Bright of Brighton's form when he was there. Um, and has fitted in really nicely. Obviously I think he's a local lad, Dan Byrne, isn't he? Yeah, he's playing um, left back at the moment. Playing right? left back, yeah. And and he's you know he's he's better than he looks in terms of uh, his his um physical you know obviously he's tall but he's actually pretty agile as well. And very, very good on the ball as well. And, you know, fairly fairly quick along, along the ground. I think we were linked with him under Steve Bruce. I don't remember when he was playing for Wigan. Um, <laughs> another we player. must have been linked with every English championship player yeah. that ever has been. Under but, you know, play, players like him uh, and, and Bruno Gomeres, uh, obviously putting Joe Linton in midfield. Um, you know, he's. I think he's been he's been a massive key for them as well. His energy in midfield, his intensity. He's helped. Uh, he's helped up some maximum. Obviously, he was injured on, on on the weekend, but he's helped him massively in terms of their pressing style that they're playing, which we'll we'll come on to in a second. Uh, and just little tweaks like that, alongside signing good key players, Nick Pope. You know, I think they're signing for a free. But these are really astute signings. They're a really clever way they've gone about their business. I think they've got Dan Ashworth in the background there. He's only just good. come in, hasn't he? So they, you know, mm-hmm. they were doing this business before. I think. I think what they've done is, is clever. 
Look, I'm, and I always think this is quite a, si- a simple way to have a good transfer strategy, in my opinion. You don't have like one set route. You have a mix. They've done a mix. Like Bruno Gamarez is in, has instantly come in, and he's a top six player instantly. He's adapted to the league league straight away, and all the the clubs that the top six will be looking at that and thinking, wish we'd have got him in because when we do try and get him in, he's probably going to cost us a hundred million pounds now. People like Dan Burn, Matty Target, Trippier. You know, didn't, didn't cost the world, but they've, no. they've had they've had a mix of players, and I think what Eddie Howe did, and this is this was one of my arguments for why it wasn't working with Gerard at Villa. Not only did they buy well and he improved the players they brought in, he improved people that were already there, like Joe Linton, who you talk about, who's become a real key player under Eddie Howe. Shift of position, clever management, put him into central midfield. I know sometimes he plays wide as well, but he's he's made a huge difference to, to their pressing game. And just you know, he's improved players with there that are there, even people like Jacob Murphy, who who are squad players. They're better than they were this time last year because of working mm. with Eddie Howe and his coaching. So I think there's a lot to admire about what Eddie Howe's done at Newcastle. Oh, definitely. Look at Almiron as well. He's obviously Almiron, the, yeah, the man, in, man in form. And uh, I think what he's done is identified that, you know, the way he wants to play, um, he was limited to some extent at Bournemouth because they did spend money, but it was Bournemouth. You know, I know Bournemouth really well. I know the people behind the scenes really well. It was always difficult for them to attract players. Um, they had they spent money, uh, you know. They had money behind mainly them. on Liverpool reserves, obviously. Mainly on Liverpool reserves, but it was one of those things where you know they might spend twenty million on Dominic Solanke, but ideally they would have spent twenty million on another player. But he's going to go to a top ten club. He's not going to go to Bournemouth, for example. So they have to pay over the odds for someone probably who wouldn't be quite as good. But you know, obviously Solanke's doing fairly well now, anyway. But you know, that, that, that's the situation they're in. That's the situation Eddie Howe was in. But he's tried to adopt that sort of high intensity pressing style, almost counter pressing style. That they've got, and that's how they create their chances. You know, they they work so hard off the ball, um, and they've got players like Almiron, Joe Linton now, um, Gomeres, uh, Callum Wilson, Alexander Isaac. The, one of the main reasons they've bought him is not for his goal scoring, really, although he does bring that. Not also not not as prolific as some people think, but it, he's a very good presser of the ball, and and that's the way they create chances to try and win the ball up high up the pitch. And when they do have the ball, uh, they don't try and play through teams too much. They try and be a bit more direct, a bit like we were under Dino, really. They try and get the ball in those key areas as quickly as possible. And if they don't win the first ball, they try and win the second ball and try and play from there and try and create chances in, in those key areas. And then that's what they've done well. You look at the Brentford game when they, they won. Um, look at uh, games against uh, Man United, against Tottenham. You know, that's where they've done really well, turning over fullbacks, uh, getting over in those key possessions, almost playing in the channels. A bit old school, I suppose, in that, in that respect. A uh, very English way of playing, but um, but pressing really high and, and playing well. And then you've got players like Bruno Gomeris, who's got quality. You know, he's going to create chances, score goals, arrive late in the box. You know, he's been probably one of the best players in the Premier League since he's arrived in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I would say he's in the top five. Uh, I, I think, you know, that, that's what they've done so well. But at the same time, um, it's Newcastle United. And a bit like Villa, you just feel like, they, you know, they can be still be got at, and they it, it could all go wrong for them. You know, it's one of those where we know we were doing one of the Dean Smith, for example. There was that nagging feeling from Villa fans, also maybe subconsciously, but also other other fans who were thinking, well, how long can they keep this up for? You know, how how long can they uh, continue to operate at the top sort of five six places? When is it going to go wrong? And I and I still feel that with Newcastle, I still think they've got good players, but they they're not invincible or anything like that and I think we've got good enough players to match them on our day and I think I think we're going to have to play well we're going to have to be our best but I definitely think they can they can be got at you talk about that high press that I think that was what won them the game against Spurs on on Sunday you know you think about again Conte and Howe have been to, 
been there at similar times. You know, Spurs were better placed when, when Conte came in to build. Newcastle looked better than Tottenham looked a better team going forward and looked like they knew what they were doing at the back and were never really under pressure at the end of that game. You know, when Villa are winning by one goal and you're sat in your seat and you're thinking, oh, we're going to concede. Newcastle didn't look like they were going to concede once at the end of that game. They were winning 2-1. They saw the mm. game out relatively comfortably, I would say, and that's a sign of, of a good team. But you're right. I do think Villa can, can get at them, especially if they play like they did at the weekend against Brentford. I think that that change of system now. I think the two, if Louise and Dendonka can, they do, they dominated that game in midfield. I would say, especially for the first hour, they mm. won the midfield battle. Yes, Newcastle have got have got good players in their midfield, likes of Bruno Gamares, Joel Linton, if he plays there. But Villa can get hold of the ball and get control of that game, which I think is possible with Louise and Dendonka in there. There's mm. no reason why Villa can't hurt Newcastle and get at them and play that kind of direct, pacey football and get at them on the on the flanks like we did against Brentford. But Brentford are no mugs. No, no, and we. I think we'll have to play at their own game. I think I don't think we should try and play through them through that press. Um, I don't think we necessarily need to play through that press. I think uh, that when you got the likes of Watkins and Bailey, um, Dendonka and Louise, you can you can play almost play a little bit more direct uh, and try and get the ball higher up the pitch and beat their press that way and try and feed off Watkins mainly. I would say. Um, and make sure we get up the pitch as high as we can. Uh, Ashley Young and Matty Cash will be key um, because um, how they're playing fullback position on on the transition will be will be really important, both defending and going forward as well. Um, and I think the likes of Buendia as well. If we if we are getting pressed, and Buendia is is a key player because he operates so well in those tight spaces. He's so well at turning the ball, holding off players. If he is under pressure. He can almost wriggle out of nowhere. Uh, he's done it time and time again. So I think he he will be key. This you know this isn't a game for someone like Coutinho, for example, who I think needs a bit more space. Um, it's got to be the same team anyway, hasn't it's be, it? It's got to be the same to be. team. It has to be the same team. I think you know we're, we're going to have to be careful. It's going to be it's going to be difficult. We may come under the cosh a little bit at times, and the crowd will be behind them. But um, we've got to keep it tight. The 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 centre backs Mings and Konza are going to. They're going to try and pull them apart. You know, they're going to try and get over the fullbacks and and try and pull Conzer and Mings out out wide, and then try and um, you know create chances from those kinds of positions with the the, the centre backs out of position. So we're going to have to be a little bit compact at times, and then when we have the ball, we're going to have to make sure we try and win that second ball. And it's going to be a battle. I, I definitely think it's going to be a battle. But yeah, I think those those are some of the key players. I, I think are going to be important. And um, I think you've had whole eleven, Omar. I haven't. Yeah, I think the only one really like... name was Martinez. <laughs> yeah, I'll just he might be as well at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've just gone for the whole team. But yeah, and I think I think Watkins is key for me in on in attack, and I think the fullbacks are key for us defending. That's what that's what I would say. I'd imagine we'll sit in a little bit more. Like I'd imagine Cash and Young won't venture too far forward. Maybe particularly mm. in the first half. I imagine Villa will try and keep it relatively tight at the, the start of the game. So Newcastle fans are brilliant. They're going to be they're going to be up for it. If you can get if you can kind of get through it in in like 15, 20, 15 minute increments, I, I would say try and keep it keep it at, at, at nil nil. I think you've got a chance then in mm. transition, and I think that's where Bailey and Watkins on the Watkins sorry on the flanks will be really important because if you are trying to transition on the break and counter, I think just the fact they're playing on the on their natural sides, if that makes sense, I think that just helps with breaking in my head. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think uh, well, it's nice to have pace on the wings, isn't it? It's nice to have... That's a pace full stop. Pace full stop, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, they, they play so well against Brentford. Um, we really stretch the pitch out as well. And, and Brentford's a big pitch as well. Newcastle, big pitch. I always wonder about big pictures. Does it always seem? Is it actually big, or is it just big on TV? You know, you never know. You always get these. You always get these um, 
things where they're like, oh, yes, yeah, small pitch, and it turns out to be one centimeter shorter than Wembley. Yeah, you know? assume like Bournemouth, for example, small pitch, tight yeah. pitch, because it's a small grass. Probably, no, probably the same size as Villa Park for, for, for all we know, isn't it? Like, yeah. we don't have the dimensions in front of us. But yeah. you think if you go into a big stadium, that's a, it's a big pitch. It's a big pitch, yeah, spread that pitch out. <laughs> yeah, There's actually got... a slope on the Villa Park pitch as well. I don't know if you know that. Does no, it, I didn't. It, I've, not, uh, I've not been, I've not played on like you, mate. It's, it slopes to, I can't remember which side it's slope. I think it slopes towards the dugouts. Really? Yeah, there's a bit of a bit of a slope on on there. Like yeah. Interesting fact. Need, need to sort that out. Anyone get, get on the phone to get pitches. on the phone to Christian Perslow. Yeah. Get it sorted. I think he's got other things to worry about at the moment. Christian Christian Perslow. Who should we give? What Villa player should we talk about? Let's talk about let's talk about Douglas Louise because I went on Sky on when did we hire him? Was it Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday morning, Tuesday lunchtime. I went on and I absolutely raving about Douglas Louise, and a few people said to me, "You used to you used to really." Lying to Douglas Luiz. And to be fair, when he first came in his first season, I did because I think he was a bit lazy on the ball and he used to cost us goals when he was playing as a, as a, as a number six in that season where we first got promoted, where the whole team was a little bit naive. But i got to say, he's developing now into a, a top midfielder for me. I think he, I think he's got everything that the modern-day person playing in a 4-2-3-1 in one of those central midfield roles needs because he's just he's passing. He just moves the ball quickly and accurately. You know, when, when you want to play with some pace and get your pacey players on the ball, someone like Douglas Louise in there is really, really important. And I just thought him and Dendonka, that was a partnership that complemented They complemented each other, didn't they? Oh, I thought they both, Dendonka winning the ball back, giving it to Louise. Louise gets it forward with his range of passing. That's a nice little midfield moving forward. And a few weeks ago, I'd forgotten Dendonka even played for Villa. Yeah, he'd come on and just stand around and oh, come off again, wouldn't oh, he? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, no, I, I completely agree. I think I think people forget how young Douglas Louise is. Uh, you know, we signed him. He was, he was very young when he came to Villa. Mm. And oh, he, hadn't, no. he hadn't played in the Premier League and, and it takes time to adapt. And I think his best football has always been in a two in midfield. Um, you know, people love to say double pivot. You know, that's the new terminology everyone's using. But it's true because he, I mean, he had McGinn next to him when we were, doing, we were playing the four-two-three-one under Dean Smith. He was we playing bark. really well with Barkley playing a bit more attacking. Uh, as we saw the weekend, you know, the good thing with him and Dundonker is they, they both complement each other so well because they can both do both sides of the game. They can they can be defensive. They can win the ball back. And they're both decent on the ball as well. And yeah, they both won the ball back a lot of the weekend. A lot of the way, and and they're both, they both can break late into the box. You know, one, one can attack into the box. Uh, the other can sit and they can take it in turns and hopefully they can build a good understanding. And I'll be excited to see, uh, obviously, it looks like Kamara's not nearing a return, but it seems to be... Um, he's back in training, back, back on the, the back grass, on the, as they say. Back on the grass, as they say. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. But I think Douglas Luiz is just more and more coming into his own and, and sort of not reaching his peak, but showing more and more of his quality, uh, both on and off the ball. We've always known he was very good on the ball, very skillful, typical Brazilian on the ball, uh, off the ball. We were always worried about him being a little bit exposed, not picking up men, being a little bit lazy off the ball. But I also think the system never suited him. I think he... No. He was let down by by both Dean Smith and and Gerard at times, probably more so Gerard, obviously. But in terms of just you know being the sole man in midfield, almost when when oppositions would break, and you know he was all which is his hide, strength. It's not his strength. Hiding, so. hiding to nothing. Now he's got he's got uh, someone there to help him. It's a lot easier for him. Um, but also, I think he's been a bit more aggressive as well. Um, I think he's been better off the ball, uh, winning the ball. He's tr- he's trying to tackle a lot more. He's winning the ball back, uh, anticipating better. That was always one of his weaknesses: anticipation. Um, just all round, uh, yeah. Just all round, really good midfielder, and his, you know his passing has always been brilliant. He's so good at playing forward passes from midfield, and and that you know McCamber for all his strengths defensively was always we always struggled paying forward passes, and I think I think that's what Douglas Louise 
that's where Douglas Louis' strengths lie. Um, he's getting the ball into players like Buendia, Watkins, Ings, Bailey, um, quickly, you know, tight passes through through a defensive line. You know, that, that's where he does does really well. And and I think the next stage in, in his progression is to try and continue to get goals as he's well. He's a threat now, isn't he? he was, yeah. Even his set pieces, of, of, you know, he never used to be a set piece type of a villain. Obviously, we know all about yeah. his shooting from corners because he nearly scores every game and he has obviously scored two this season. But, you know, he's an all-round threat. You know, we talk about Bruno Gamarish. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Douglas Luiz is massively off that level, if I'm being perfectly honest. I think I've been really impressed with him this season. I think I think he came back this summer, and some of this is an assumption. I think he came back really, really hungry, ready to be like, right, I'm going to become a top Premier League operator now in midfield. And like you say, he was let down because he was sat on the bench. Yeah. And he shouldn't be. And every time he played under Gerard, he, he did well, especially when he was playing as a number eight. He was very good. And then he yeah. found himself back out of the team again. But Gerard, I just don't think Gerard ever fully trusted him or ever fully wanted him. I know he signed a new contract under, under Gerard, but that feels like more of a club thing and a, a Douglas Louise thing than it was Gerard pushing for it. Again, mm. that's an assumption. You know, I think he came back in the summer hungry and ready and was let down. And now you're seeing him. I, I honestly don't think he's too far off Bruno Gamares' level, genuinely. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. Honestly, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't comment. I don't. I've seen. An, I've seen quite a bit of Bruno Gamares, but not enough to compare him to Douglas Louise. I don't think. But I think he's definitely got the ability. I hundred percent think he's got the ability, and I think he's shown it at times. And I think actually he's been one of our most consistent performers, if not our most consistent performer performer this season. Um, and and that's yeah, with being it, that's with being in and out of the side as well, as you've said. Um, so yeah, I, I think no doubt. And I think he could flourish in this system. I'll be interested to see how Unai Emery comes in and how. He adapts to what he's looking for. I feel like he'll like him. Yeah, and and you know Unai Emery, he's a very hands-on coach. You know, he works one-on-one with players all the time. He's looking to improve players as well. So that's only going to benefit from him, him as well. And you know, Dundonka performed really, really well uh, against Brentford. Was one of the standout players. Whether he continues that form, whether he continues to be an ever-present, you know, we don't know. I, I hope he is because competition in there with four times three. Well, that's the other thing. You yeah. can actually we create some competition within the squad, which is a good thing. There's people asking about about McGinn. Is he finished at Villa? Well, I know he's not. No, he's not. You, you need a squad. You've got nine no. subs. You can use five of them. You know, yeah, players are going to come in and play a, a lot of football still. It might do McGinn a bit of good to be taken out for a few weeks, in, in all honesty. I think he was feeling the pressure a little bit. I think th- there's certain burdens mm. on him. Might be a fresh manager now, a few weeks out of the team. He comes back. Oh, McGinn's 100% not, not finished okay. at Villa. He's a, he's a good player. I think he's one that's been let down but by the system. So, I think there's help. suddenly you change formation up. And you've got a little bit of healthy competition in that central midfield area, area now and a bit more all over the pitch. I think probably you could do with a little bit more in the in the front four in terms of competition if, you, yeah. if you're playing that formation. But central midfield now suddenly looks relatively strong. And some, I think his name's Josh. Someone tweeted me earlier asking, do you reckon, you know, obviously Emre was lined up when the Brentford game was taking place. They probably, Villa probably knew that he, that he was coming in. Do you think he had some kind of impact on the system? Because, you know... I, he plays four two three one in, in in the main. I think that's one of the reasons Aaron Danks chose four two three one. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, I'd be surprised if that was the case. Um, but you know, you never know. Uh, he's played four four two as well. Emery hasn't mm. he recently? Um, kind of flits between the two, but, two, two, but, he, he, but he, he definitely he tries to use a um, that sort of two man midfield in whatever formation he plays, and he expects his midfield to to do both sides of the game as well. Um, so yeah, it, it could be, and I think um, it's definitely going to suit. I think McGinn can do both sides of the game, no, no doubt. We've seen him play deep. Um, it's not his his, his uh, preferred position. He's probably not playing to his strengths, but he can do that job. You've got the likes of Sanson. Will he get another chance? Uh, Nakamba. You know these players. I think Ramsey probably will be more suited to the wider positions, and uh, we could probably do with him on the left or right wing. Yeah. Um, 
uh, as a, as a, and it's not bad, you know. Not again, your point, you know. It's, it's more and more a squad game these days. The way the Premier League is with those subs, um, Ramsey can play as a ten as well. Yeah, yeah, Ramsey can play as a ten. You know, bringing McGinn, bringing Ramsey on, bringing Coutinho on. You know, these types of players. That's a good position to be in. Um, and and you got Kamara to come back as well, obviously. So I think um, I, I think more and more, I think every player is going to have a, an impact. I think Unai Emery as well. He's he's known to tinker. He's known to change tactics. He's known to change personnel. Yeah, he's game. known to study the opposition. You know um, how the players adapt to that. How the players taking that information will be key. Can they take that information on? Will they be not intelligent enough, but um, you know, willing to listen and willing to adapt and willing to implement those ideas and good enough to implement those ideas? I guess we will see. But that's the way he he manages and that's the way he coaches. So I think we'll see changes. I think we'll we'll see the whole squad being used. He's not he's not one of these man. He's not a Martin O'Neill type manager who'll play the same eleven players or bring on the same three subs in the same minute of every game. You know, he's not that type of manager. He will definitely uh, look to do different things in different games and adapt his formations. Even mid-game, he will, he will do that. He will, that's he what will you change want, formation. Man. Yeah, that's what, we, that's what we've been crying out for. All the best managers do that. So I think every player is going to be needed at some stage. And um, it's exciting, to be honest. It's really exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. So to see, to see a, a proper... And this is no, this is no disrespect to Steven Gerrard because I think... Um, I still think he could be a good manager. And I, I think uh, he'll learn a lot from his experience in Villa. I think the job was too soon for him. But it'll be nice to see someone with so much pedigree, um, someone we probably haven't seen ever really manage, apart from maybe Martin O'Neill, have this, this calibre of manager coming. Even he wasn't manage. tactically brilliant, Martin O'Neill, you know? No, but um, in, terms, in terms of like profile, stature, uh, you know, we haven't seen that um, come in at Villa since, well, since I've been watching the club. Probably Graham Taylor was the last manager to, you know, manage Villa and then leave Villa in a better state. Um, so, uh you know, someone like Unai Emery, who's got such pedigrees, um, his history, his career, uh, his, you know, win, everyone loves to talk about his win ratio, um, which is a bit of a misnomer because it's a different club. You don't know what, what's going to happen just because he's got 55% Arsenal doesn't mean he's going to get 55% of Villa. I'd take but 55 order. We take, of course we would. Um, but but I think having that, having that pedigree, I'm just excited to see what he does. See a proper manager with proper ideas and proper culture proper philosophy proper strategy try and and it may not work you know it's football you know everything's gonna it's work villa. but, but it's, it's, it's villa it's football <laughs> i just looking at you like Damn, you, on, you know he knows i'm right he knows i'm right <laughs> yeah uh but you know it's um it's just exciting to see a proper manager someone with that pedigree come in and, and take charge of the club and i think I think he'll have an influence on this game at Newcastle. I think he'd already be on, on the phone to Aaron Danks and yeah, he'd be watching Newcastle's previous games and be coming up with ideas. He won't be able to do obviously much in game, but he'll definitely have an influence at some, at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, it just requires a, a buy-in from everyone. Isn't it? <coughs> it's going to require buy-in from the supporters, <laughs> who I think I think will buy into it now because I think they were so dissatisfied with yeah. what's been going on, especially so far. This is they'll get he'll get the buy-in from from the fans now. And he's buy-in from the players because you know he's re, he is regimentally he's got a lot of things he wants to do. He puts a lot of work and he expects a lot from his players. I think it's worth saying at this point. It's a great video on on Neil's channel for the love of Paul McGraw, where he interviews Graham Hunter, who is a Spanish football expert expert on anything Spanish football, and he's done a great interview Neil with uh, with Graham Hunter talking about Unai Emery. I learned a lot from from listening to that earlier today so it's worth going and checking that out if you do want to learn more about Villa's incoming manager but it just needs buy-in from everyone doesn't it oh man he, he will need a bit of time as well because we know when managers come in you might get a little bit of a bounce straight away but there yeah. is always hard times you've got to ride through those hard times and come out the other end of them now yeah. 
people will say, oh, why didn't you do that for Steven Gerrard? But we weren't getting out of that hard time. The hard times were going to continue. No, no, you I think that's clear for everyone to say. Yeah. Unai Emery is an operator on a completely different level to Steven Gerrard. And that's not me being disrespectful to Steven Gerrard. It's just a fact. Look at what he's won. Do you, do you um, so a couple of questions to you then, Dan. Um, we'll go on to the team in a second. I've got a question about Luca Dean and Ashley Young. But just on what you just said there, um, I've seen a few people talk about, non mainly non villa fans talk about, you know, going having two, uh, Tuchel, Pochettino and Emery as our three main candidates. Um, and it seems on the face of it, obviously they're high caliber elite managers. So that's probably the criteria, but in the, in terms of football strategy, uh, the way they play, et cetera, they are all slightly different. Yeah. Does that, does that concern you a little bit in terms of, do you think it was a bit haphazard the way we went about it in terms of identifying Emery and getting him in? Do you, are you concerned that there isn't been, there hasn't been much thought around the style these guys play and whether they're similar, whether they suit the players and what actually long-term are we doing? Are we focusing too much on the name again, like Emery, um, in terms of, you know, he's a he's a high-caliber man. He's won all these trophies. Let's get him in rather than actually what style does he play? What, you know, the style he plays, does it suit the players that we have? Is this the style we're going to implement throughout the academy and through the team? You know, going back to the Villa engine and things like that. Do you think, do you, is there a concern that we're again going for a name rather than actually... You know, we're trying to be big again rather than good, if that makes sense. Probably not so much. I would say that any club that's hiring a manager will speak to multiple man. Will speak to multiple managers. So, to like, I've done my podcast with Jonathan Wilson today, and he's the top guy, knows everything about football, knows what goes yeah. on in the football world. And he said on the podcast when we were talking about Villa, he was talking about them looking at all the different managers, and he said Chelsea for example. Chelsea for example, they they spoke to Pochettino, so. They, they, yes, they've hired Potter, but they spoke to Pochettino. And apparently Perslow, according to Jonathan, Perslow was speaking to Todd Bowley ab- about Pochettino. Why didn't he take the job? What did you think of oh, him? really? That's yeah, so yeah. I think, you know, CEOs, owners, they do they do their due diligence on different managers. They'll speak to different managers. And obviously, no managers exactly the same, are they? But I think if you look at Tuchel, Pochettino and Emery, they've all managed at, at elite level. I know Poch didn't, didn't win it. They've all been in European finals. For example, so I think it's just a case of Villa are looking for a, a high-profile manager. Now, I think Villa fans would have been happy with any of the, any of those. So I don't think Tuchel was ever realistic. Maybe maybe Poch wasn't either. From from listening to Neil's thing as well, Emre was always keen to get back into, into the Premier League, and Villa's yeah. the type of club that suits him. And if you look at historically the teams that he's won things with, Villa are probably on a similar level. Not not quite the elite, not the team that's going to be challenging for the title. Yeah. And a team that potentially could move themselves up and, and, and push towards the higher reaches of the table. So the more I've thought about it, it, it makes sense. But then now he's here, I'm obviously going to get behind him and try and look for reasons of why I think it's going to be positive, just like I did when Steven Gerrard came in. But hmm. this feels to me like a, a, a proper appointment in the club. You you said, you know, you know that they were looking at Emre in September. You know, these these things ha- these things yeah. have happened. They they start looking at managers when they get an idea that things aren't going to be going well. So they've looked at him, they've been looking at him for a few months now, Unai Emery, and I think it's a really, really strong appointment. And I think from everything I've read about him and everything I've listened to over the over this week, I think he can suit the players that we've got. We were all saying those players are better than what they're showing under Steven Gerrard with a, we look the worst coach team in the league. Mm. He's not getting enough out of them. Yeah, this is a manager that Really, if everyone gives the buy-in, should get 
what we want out of these players and and get their seat some of their some of them to reach their ceilings and that's what we want because there's a good decent squad of players there and Emre will bring in a couple of his own additions as yeah. well over time wouldn't surprise me to see a couple of players in in January I've got a, a pretty good idea in my head of of where he might go for for one position but you know he'll bring his own players in as well I think this this squad's not a million miles away from being a, being a good team it just needed the right coach and mm. I think without getting over excited he could be the man. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate. To be no, honest. no, of course. And, and yeah, and um, I completely agree. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fully behind this. And I've been asking for for a long time for a manager who's, you know, who's got attention to detail. And uh, you can't get more attention to detail than Unai Emery. You know, he studies every game. Um, he watches. You know, if you, I think there was a story about him watching Man United or Man City 17 times. You know, watching their previous 17 games, watching every every clip of everything. You know, he studies the game so hard. He studies the opposition. He studies the players he's looking after and coaching, um, works with them on a one-to-one basis. And that's what you want. You want someone whose attention to the detail is meticulous. And I think that, that they're always the best coaches are, are have those qualities. Um, um, but yeah, and, and, you're, and you're right, Emery's. I think even before you know, September, yeah, I, yeah I, had, I heard murmurs about Emery. But I even think last year there was, there was rumours about him when Gerard was coming in. It really um, is, with hindsight, the kind of appointment we should have been looking to make 12 months ago. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I've said this on our, on our pod um, um, uh, a couple of days ago um, about circumstances. You know, uh, it's almost like, uh, you know, when, when we were looking for Unai Emery, he was, a, he was probably not in the right mind frame to, to come to someone like Villa. Um, when Newcastle were looking at him, Villarreal will go and guns blazing in the Champions League. Again, probably not yeah. the right circumstance. And now in this situation, you know, it probably is the right circumstance, probably is the right time, we've got the timing right. And maybe it's one of those things where we had to go through Gerard to get to this position. We had to go through the pain of, yeah. of having Steven Gerrard um, for, for that year to get to this position. And it's one of those things, you know, it's the, the, the way the world works sometimes, isn't there? A bit, a bit of fate, whether you believe in that or not. Uh, we've ended up in this position. Um, and um, I think we just have to look upward, onwards and upwards now, don't we? Look forward more than, more than and worrying about what happened before. Um, and I think the players, as you say, there, there's enough quality there. So go, go back to my earlier point. Looking at the game, uh, Luca Dean obviously seems to be back in contention. Would you would you look to change it up or stick with Ashley Young? 100. percent I'd stick with Ashley Young. I've said for the last few weeks, whoever's fit, whatever's going on, Ashley Young has to be in that 11 somewhere. At the, at the moment, he's a lieutenant on the pitch. Even that penalty thing he did on on Sunday was absolutely brilliant. He's got Ivan yeah. Tony giving him stick, trying to get yeah, in his yeah. head to miss the penalty, and then he just hands the ball over like a boss. To, to Danny Ings, Ashley Young has to be on the pitch somewhere at the moment for me. Villa have been better since Ashley Young has, has been on the pitch. In fairness, even under the dark days of Gerrard, we were still better, or more. Well, I say better. We picked up more results. Let's say when Ashley Young was 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 on the pitch, and Luca Dean's got to win his place back. I don't think Luca Dean was, was brilliant before he got injured. I thought he was one of the, the people that was letting Villa down. You know, he's such a good player. I've got such high hopes for him long term because I know he's a he's a, he's a good left back, but. Ashley Young's outperformed him so far this season. So Ashley Young stays in the team, in my opinion. And I think I'd go as far as to say, and I put this on Twitter earlier, he's one of the first names on the team, shoot. 100%. If not the first. He's been our best player. Simple yeah. as that, I think. Yeah. Uh, over the last... Even when we, play, we were playing terribly, he was our best player. When we played well against uh, Brentford, he was not the best player, but he was one of the standout players again. He, he's a must for me. You, you find he, he's one of those players where you just find a spot for him in the team. He can play any position. Uh, almost, and uh, you know, we we mo- I remember us moaning under Dean Smith when he was playing in number ten or number eight, 
We're like, what? You know, what is? I mean, what's yeah, I'm not here? sure I'd find him in it, playing as a number ten or a number eight. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you. I mean, the way he's playing at the moment, you wouldn't pass him to be again be one of the best players. He just, yeah, I think the way he's playing and the way, just his attitude and, and how he commits to uh, a game. You know, his application, and obviously he's got plenty of quality. We know he's got quality. I think you you have to play him. Yeah, I'll let you. You're struggling a little bit there, aren't you? Yeah, I, I, I can go. see. So, whilst you sort yourself out, we'll go through our sponsors. We'll go through Betmate and the pot that people can join at the weekend. So, I picked my team earlier for the Newcastle v Villa pot. And what they've done for us at Betmate this week is to encourage more people to join. We have our own code. So, it's TVV free. You type that in to join. And you'll join the free pot, give yourself a chance to win some money and give yourselves a chance to beat me in the league table, which, as I've said before, is never difficult. Also, you'll get a chance to win that new mug that you can see over there, the Villa Brew, freshly designed. I think there's only one in the country at the moment that I gave away to someone the other day. But you can have your chance to win the Villa Brew mug if you win our Betmate League. So this is me picking my team earlier. More Newcastle heavy than I would like, but I did it because I just, you know, I feel... They are a good team, so I, I just looked at their players and thought I had more chance of getting more points with, with some of them, but I still fancy Villa to get something at the weekend. So this is me labouring through, picking a team on my phone earlier. Got Douglas Louise in from Villa. Danny Ings, hopefully, to continue his goal-scoring form, and I've gone for Big Tyrone in defence as well. Can't remember for the life of me who I gave the captaincy to, and I can't see the screen clear enough to tell you who it was, but obviously your captain, like in fantasy football, gets double points. Last week, if you'd have copied me, you'd have got a free ten pounds. Douglas Louise, ten pounds for nothing. Douglas Louise. No, I've got, yeah. I think I might change it at the end. Actually, from from what I remember, we'll see on the video. Right, but yeah, if you just copied my team last week, you'd have won ten pounds. So a free ten pounds, essentially for you this week if you just copy my team. But yeah, it's just a little bit of fun, you know. Gamble responsibly normally on this occasion. It isn't going to cost you any money. But it's a little bit of fun, a bit like picking a fantasy football team. Give yourself a shot of winning that league and winning yourself a Villa Brew mug. As well, Omar, are you are you feeling better now? Are you? Are yeah, yeah, sorry, better? yeah, yeah, I'm good, mate. We're, we're, video again. we're both we're both struggling, aren't we? A yeah, little bit. The, the um, Villa flu. That's what. Oh, I'm yeah, it's the Villa flu. Yeah, my kid. We've got the Villa bro. The Villa flu. flu. <laughs> we should maybe get a mug, Villa flu mug. It's, it's uh, all going. Really, up. I mean, really I am the most ill person in the world. Any illness that's going around, you can guarantee. Yeah, I will I've, pick it up. The illnesses have been sick cycling through my uh, my kids at the moment. Oh, kids are uh, lethal. To be fair, when I, I, te- I texted you earlier, so I'm not feeling 100%. It wasn't really this, although let's come on now. It was mainly because I uh, I ate eaten too much food. Uh, uh, had wings at lunch. Uh, went to put, understood. And, uh, yeah, and then yeah. I forgot I was going to my mom's for food. She made kebabs. Uh, understood. And I and I couldn't tell her I ate, I ate at lunch because I should feel she get annoyed at me. So yeah. I had to eat. I had to pretend to eat like I had a... In yeah. his stomach, and now, now I felt sick, basically. Dean Avery has said, "I want that mug, Daniel." Well, you've got to, you got to enter the pot if you want the mug, Dean. That's what you got to do. That's that's what that's what it's there for. So yeah, do do enter our pot. We will finish though with some predictions, and I already gave mine away at the start of the show. One one, I fancy better to get something this weekend. Omar, what are you plumping for? Uh, I'm going to stick with my uh, prediction on our podcast. I'm going to go one nil Villa. One nil Villa. It's big. Yeah. It's bold. I'd like it. I think. I think uh, did Dunker. Um, corner header. I wonder why you get on that. Pretty, pretty high. I'm, I'm going to imagine that you that you'd get for that. But yeah, lovely stuff. Well, enjoyed that. Great, great to enjoy a match preview for a change. Whatever it's happens, good to be you know, positive, isn't it? I was definitely happier than I was this time last week. That's for sure. Was it this, you know, this time last week, I was sat in that away end at Fulham, or stood in the away end in Fulham, absolutely losing my shit. So yeah, 
much happier this week talking through the, the Newcastle game after a victory. Thanks ever so much for watching. Really appreciate all the support we're getting at the moment and all the support I get on my other stuff as well. So many lovely comments. Thank you ever so much for that. I do read them all. It's always, always appreciated. We'll be back with a post-match point. I always do this. We'll be back with a post-match point at some point after the Newcastle game. We will let you know on our social media channels when that is. But if you do want to know for a fact, then subscribe to the channel with your post notifications on and you will find out that information. Those of you that are going to the tune on Saturday, have a great time, great night out. I've heard of a vicious rumour that Ian Taylor staying over, so he'll be out on the town on Saturday night after the game. So you may run into him if Villa fans are there and he's not going to be happy. That I'm he's good at a night out here. Say again? He's good on a night out here. Well, he's pretty good. He's good on the Bears' tails. Very, very good on, on the Bears. And his mates are as well, to be fair. So, yeah, he'll be, he'll be out in the town. But, yeah, he'll probably be unhappy that I've revealed that information. <laughs> Thanks ever so much for watching Up the Villa. Up <laughs> the Villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.